السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام عليك الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هدانا الله اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد مفتاح باب رحمة الله عدد ما في علم الله صراة والسلام من دائمين بدوام منك الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه وشر أنه الله الذي لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله واحدا ورب شاهدا ونحن لهم مسلمون وشر أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وكرت عيوننا محمد عبده رسوله أرسله الله بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهر على دين كله ولو كره المشركون أما بعد يا إباد الله إني مصيكم ونفسي إياي بتقوى الله We have been discussing recently the importance of the intention the various dimensions of the intention and even the reach of the intention and we hope that we've come to understand is that the intention has a great affair and it is of the utmost importance and that it relates to what makes us distinct as human beings, i.e. our ability to choose, the way that we can exercise our volition. And this manifests on a daily basis in the various choices that we make and the various decisions that we make. And so the intention is something that we hope from the blessed bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when it becomes rectified because its locus is indeed the heart. And it is of those things that are so intimately connected to the heart that like the heart, when the intention becomes rectified, what it is that we do after that, the things that we say, the acts that we commit, they will then also be rectified by virtue of the intention and by the blessing of the intention. And as one of the very pious women of the past, uh, Sayyida Zubayda, Imam al-Khushari, mentions this in his book. She was seen in a dream after she passed away. And it was said to her, Ma fa'alallahu biki? What did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do with you? And she said, Ghafarali, Allah forgave me. And it was then said to her, Is it because of all of the charitable work that you did? all of the wells that you built, all of the, the things that you did for people, the money that you gave when you were traveling to Hajj and so forth and so on. And she said, hey hat, hey hat, no, no, far from it. All of that went to the people that it was actually for. She said, the only thing that benefited us was intentions. The only thing that benefited us was the intentions that we made behind the acts that we did. Pointing here to the importance of the intention. Someone could seem to do a lot outwardly, but their intention, if it is weak, or if it is wrong, or if it is polluted, that abundance outwardly does not translate inwardly into great benefit for the soul that made those various intentions. 
It doesn't translate into acceptance of those various acts. It does not translate into reward for those various acts. The prerequisite of that is, of course, sincerity. Doing it solely for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. And then learning to make multiple intentions behind every act. And then learning to make intentions in everything that it is that we do. And so the intention will impact our lives in ways that are very difficult to put into words. It's experienced. And when you intend something, you will see the fruits of making that intention for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But now we need to connect the general meanings that we've been speaking about in relation to the intention specifically to decisions that we make. Because you and I as human beings are making decisions constantly. Every day that passes, we're making decisions. And sometimes it's happening in a split second. Other times we have a bit of time to make the decision. And sometimes it's between one of those two other extremes. And so we have to understand the process that takes place internally when we make decisions. And you could even say psychologically because this is all happening inside of us. It is happening at the level of the heart and at the level of the intellect and mind. So these scholars in particular, Imam Abu Hamid al-Ghazali, they say that there are four steps in the decision-making process, i.e. all voluntary action, i.e. things that we are going to be taken to account for. So if someone just comes up behind you and pokes you and you just turn like that and accidentally elbow them, you're not taken to account for that. That was a reaction. That wasn't a voluntary action that you intended. It was a reaction. Our voluntary actions will have one of these four steps. They have all of these four steps. And it all begins, the first step is with what's called in Arabic a khatir, a thought. You could also call it a suggestion. You could also call it a notion. But we'll keep it simple and call it a thought. And the classification of thoughts is something that you and I need to study. And even though they mentioned four, the most important for us to know are three. All human thoughts are of three sources, and some add a fourth. The first is, it's of an angelic source. The second is, it could be of an egotistical source, i.e. from our nafs, our ego. And the third is, it could be of a demonic source. And that fourth category is a little bit more rare. And these are thoughts that come directly from Allah, without wasita, without intermediary. But we're going to focus on the first three. And interestingly enough, what happens in our dreams relates to the thoughts that we have while awake. And these thoughts are of the utmost, utmost, utmost importance. And the most pious of people who have gone before us and who live today, they are especially concerned with their thoughts and how to interact with and deal with their thoughts. 
because all behavior stems ultimately from thoughts that you and I have. So the question then is, how can you and I start to become aware of our thoughts and to understand them? And then most importantly, to interact with them in a way that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the start of the path of Allah, is that you do what is called weighing your thoughts and the balance of the sacred law. You start to weigh your thoughts. And this could be a little bit overwhelming at first because we have actually quite a few, we have a lot of thoughts, thousands upon thousands of thoughts that come to our heart on a daily basis. If you look at these three categories, thoughts that come from the angels tend to be very light. They're accompanied by tranquility and they're always pointing us to good. Thoughts that come from the ego are thoughts that are a little bit heavy and they tend to they relate to our desires and our passions and they tend to be repetitive. Boom, time and time again, same thing, boom, time and time again, boom, the same thought over and over again. The thoughts of shaitan are accompanied by dissonant, dissonance and agitation and they always are pointing to evil. And shaitan is cunning like a fox, and he's very sly. He will come at you from one way, then he'll come at you from another. You close that door, and he'll come at you from yet another. Because the heart is like a fortress that we have to fortify and to protect. And the thoughts of shaitan could even be sometimes in the form of good. And how could that be? Because shaitan doesn't want you to do the better of two goods. If you're doing the best of all options, he's going to try to get you to do the lesser of the two goods. And ultimately, he won't give up. And as they say, thieves only tend to go to places and to homes and that actually have something in it. When was the last time that you saw that a thief that goes somewhere where there wasn't really anything to steal? Shaitan especially wants to get the hearts that are in a state of iqbal ala Allah, that are setting out on a path to Allah, and that want to get close to Allah and want to rectify themselves and want to bring about good in the world. Shaitan is going to work hard on those people, and especially students of knowledge. Shaitan is going to work very hard on students of knowledge, and that he's going to come during your path of knowledge in many different ways. It could be through the way of money, it could be through the way of the opposite gender, it could be through the way of family, it could be through the way of whatever it might be. Health, it could be through the way of all different types of things. Because he knows that you've embarked upon a very important path and he doesn't want you to do that. And keep in mind, he is an enemy that sees us, he and his host, and has access to us because he flows in us like the circulation of blood. And so he's very well aware of many things about us. But he really only has access to the very outermost point of the heart. As Allah Ta'ala says, 
He is the one who whispers in the hearts of people, but the sadr is the outermost part of the heart. He doesn't have access to the qalb or the fu'ad or the lub. He only has access to the sadr. And all he can do is whisper. But then, if you and I have one of these three thoughts, there's a proper way that we deal with them. And the more that you respond to each one of these categories, the more that it will be facilitated for you, either for good or for bad, to continue to follow them. So the more that you answer the angelic call, and you respond to that thought, the more angelic thoughts that you will have, the more that you that struggle with the thoughts of the ego, the easier that it becomes over time to curb them and to put them in their proper place. The more that you turn away from and avoid the thoughts of shaitan, the more that you will be protected from them in the future, the more that you will then be able to recognize them. But the converse is also true. The more that you follow the whisperings of the shayateen, they pass you on to others, and then they pass you on to others. And so ultimately with many people, they play with them the way that a child plays with a ball. And the slightest little thought of shaitan, whoop, and someone just follows. And then people become shayateen from the ints. They become like demons in human form because their whole life is responding to the shayateen. That they are like minions in human form of shaitan himself. Because they're just living out his plot. And then there's degrees, of course. Some of them have a lot of power. Some of them have a lot of money. And some of them sow a lot of corruption. When they are junood of Iblis, they are part of the host of Iblis. May Allah protect us. So, this is the very first stage. And we have to learn the characteristics of these various thoughts, how to recognize these various thoughts and what to do with them. And with the thoughts from the angels and the shayateen, it's pretty simple. The thoughts of the angels, you do, and you do quickly, and you put into practice immediately, and you don't lose the opportunity. And the thoughts of shaytan, you immediately that avoid. And the cure for the thoughts of shaytan is the remembrance of Allah. When you remember Allah, that shaitan in his host will cease to have influence over you. But the cure for the thoughts of the nafs, of the ego, is to remember death. Because those thoughts thud time and time again. And those are some of the most difficult thoughts. Because you can't just overcome the thoughts of the ego in one go. Because your ego is you. Your nafs is you. You have to take it easy. And you have to make sure, first and foremost, in the beginning, you're within the realm of the permissible. And then slowly, slowly, slowly start to cultivate in yourself an approach to what is permissible solely for the sake of Allah. And work with yourself over a long period of time. Just as you can't become a professional athlete overnight. You can't have not worked out at all and then be get very strong immediately. And so, of course, you're naturally strong. It takes time. And it's a process. And this requires siyasa. This is the type of governance that we need. 
This is the type of politics that you and I should be concerned with, politics of the soul. And if we don't know how to govern our own soul, how on earth could we ever govern anything else? If you can't guard your own soul from wrong and that get your own soul in check, how can you establish a family? Let alone, how can you be in a position of leadership? How could you ever teach the religion? How could you ever be in a position of authority? If you can't govern your own soul, you will wreak havoc. Because shaitan works with your nafs. Your nafs is that internal spy in the fortress that lets shaitan know the secret passages in or sometimes the open doors. So we have to come to terms with this. So the very first step in decision making begins with a thought. And then whenever we have a thought, the next thing that happens is that we have an inclination. And that inclination in Arabic is called the male, the inclination. And the inclination could be that towards that thought or away from that thought. And ideally, and this is where we determine the level of purity of our soul, there's three basic levels of the soul. There's the soul that commands to evil. There's the reproachful soul where you start to take yourself to account and not be content with your state. And then there's the tranquil soul. If the soul is tranquil, whenever there's a good thought, they'll incline towards it and immediately do it. Or at least do it in its right time. If there's a thought from shaitan, if it even comes to the heart by the time they have a tranquil soul, immediately they'll seek refuge in Allah Ta'ala and remember him and be protected from it. But you could even be a good person who does good deeds and you're still working on yourself. So you might be struggling with something if you became Muslim from the early days of habits that you had. Or if you were raised Muslim, bad habits that you developed as well. And maybe 15, 20 years later, you're a good person, you're doing good, but you still have thoughts that come to your mind that are not permissible, that are wrong, and you incline towards them. And this is why mujahada, spiritual struggle, is so important. This is the essence of what spiritual struggle is. It's struggling with your thoughts. And this is the essence of this whole affair, is in why we've been given an akal which is coming. So you know what it is that you should do, but you have to just do it. So when that thought comes, if it's a good thought, hopefully you incline towards it. But if you don't, you have to still roll up your sleeves and do it regardless. If it's something that you know that you should do. We wake up, we know we should get up. It's time for Fajr. You got to just do it. If there's something that you shouldn't do, even if your nafs wants to do it, stop. And exercise that control. And easier said than done. We're frail as human beings. And this is why, alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala has opened up the door of repentance for us because we fall short in this process many times at every single day. Which is why at the end of the day, we have to have a be in a state of muhasabah. Take ourselves to account for the day and ask Allah to forgive us. And He is the most forgiving, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if we are broken before Him, and that we understand that he is the most powerful and the most forgiving. He will forgive us, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the inclination 
is when now the desire moves in your soul. So the more pure your soul becomes, the more that you will incline towards thoughts of good and the more that you will disincline from thoughts of evil. But from the blessing of Allah, we're not taken into account yet for these first two stages. It's only really when we get to the third stage, but usually not even there. Maybe only the fourth stage. So you have a thought. You have an inclination towards that thought. The next thing that happens is you make a judgment. What's well, called hukm al-aql. You make a judgment. What happens now that I had that thought and I have an inclination? Your intellect is separate from that desire or that inclination that you have. Now, your intellect has to be fueled with, though, knowledge of the sacred law. Because you can never truly judge a matter with, correctly without knowledge of the sacred law. And there is a hukum, there is a legal ruling for every situation that you will be in. Sometimes it's crystal clear, sometimes it's a little bit gray. But there is a hukum, there's a legal ruling. And this is, and also, you have to train yourself to that think well. Developing this type of critical thinking, critical thinkings can be useful outwardly as well to learn to think, to process information, especially in our society where we're being dragged into so many un-Islamic ways of thinking. It's important to be able to think Islamically, critically, so that we can make sure that we don't get dragged into an understanding that is displeasing to Allah. But the most important type of exercise of our intellect, where now the intellect really here is residing in the heart, the higher degree of the intellect, doing, i.e., what is most pleasing to Allah in every single moment, that has to be fueled by the sacred law. And yes, experience helps, because the more that you study and the more that you scrutinize your thoughts, the more aware that you will become of them. And you'll see the same trap come a second time. But we know we're not supposed to get stung from the same hole or bit from the same hole twice. We're supposed to be aware of what's happening. So there are certain things that are very clear at this level that if you've neglected obligatory knowledge and you make the wrong judgment, you might be taken to account for it. But if it's something that's very subtle, very precise, maybe you won't be taken to account for it if you make a wrong judgment. And maybe that there was someone that you could have asked to help you make the right judgment that you didn't, that thus you might be taken to account for it, and so forth and so on. So it gets nuanced there. Whether we're taken to account, it depends on the situation, and it depends on the person. So you have a thought, you have an inclination, then you have the judgment that you give with your intellect. The fourth stage is the intention. All of that is happening before the intention. And at this stage now, all of that transpires before you make an intention. And if you think about this, this is happening very quickly within ourselves. It's happening very quickly. Thought, inclination, and a judgment. This is happening very quickly. And we're s slowing it down to study it. And you have to do that to understand the stage, but you'll see it doo -doo -doo -doo, happen very quickly within yourself. But the more that you start to recognize the process, 
the more that you will develop the ability then to make the right decisions. Again, to keep going back to these metaphors of athletes, is that if you're a basketball player, that developing that your fundamentals is one thing. And you have to sit there and develop those fundamentals and shoot layup after layup after layup. Developing your defensive skills is something else. Developing your skills of dribbling is something else. You, s you develop all of those skills individually and then you bring them together in a scrimmage and then ultimately in the game. And likewise, we develop these skills individually. We learn about the thoughts. We learn about the stages of the nafs and the inclinations that we have. We learn about sacred law and how to make right judgments and so forth and so on. And then we learn about the theory of the intention so that in a split second, we can make a decision if we need to. And one of the blessings of Allah Ta'ala is that He has given us istikhara. He's given us the prayer of guidance. And he has told us is that we will never be let down if you pray this prayer. You'll never be at loss if you seek the advice of people. So in this process, subhanAllah, even if we make a mistake, we know that ultimately he's all forgiving. What a mercy from Allah Ta'ala. And we have a process that we can turn to Allah and ask him what is the very best thing for us to do in this situation. The istikhara prayer is something every single one of us should memorize. Don't consider, oh, it'd be good to. No, you memorize it. Memorize the istikhara prayer. And if you don't speak Arabic, memorize it in English. And some of the righteous used to like to make a general istikhara for everything that they do during the day, in the morning and in the evening. And then they make a specific istikhara for things that they need. And then the scholars even tell us there's things that you can do if you have to make a very quick decision and you can't actually make wudu and pray to rak'ahs and do istikhari, you can say, Allah mekhilli wakhtalli. Oh Allah, choose for me. Allah mekhilli wakhtalli. And there are some that even go to the extent so that the next morsel of food that they're going to take, they say that before they take their next bite. That's a lofty station. But you can at least say, Allah, choose for me. And once you've done that enough, you will find that your heart opens up to the right decision if you become aware and you actually start putting this into practice. So here is where we will then be taken to account is at the level of attention. But, at intention. but again, from the blessing of Allah, even if someone intends to do something based upon the wrong judgment or the lack of judgment and an inclination towards a thought that they shouldn't be having, if after having done that, they actually stop themselves, there's still reward. And then even were they to do it, it's written as a single bad deed, whereas if it's a good deed, it's written at least as tenfold, up to 70, up to 300, to many times over from the bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are all manifestations of His mercy outstripping His wrath to barakah wa ta'ala. And these are opportunities for us to draw near to him. But the more that we understand the process of the niya and the process of decision making and how it is that we go about making our decisions, the better our decisions are will be. And in closing, our intention, the essence of it, is the motivation behind what it is that we're doing. And this is why that we have to train ourselves to that make good decisions based upon strong intentions and to strengthen our iman and our faith 
and to read a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ about the merit of certain acts so that then you have a desire to do them. It has a powerful impact upon all of us and about the things that you shouldn't be doing so that that thing becomes heinous to you and you don't want to even come close to it and so forth and so on. And then that when you actually enter into the intention to the act with a strong intention that is sincerely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it will have a very powerful impact upon us. Wallahu yuqulu kulu al-haqqul mubeen wa idha quri al-Qur'an fastami'u lahu ansitu la'allukum turhamun wa qala tabarak wa ta'ala wa idha qara'ta al-Qur'an fasti'id billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim a'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim man kana yurid al-'ajilata 'ajjalna lahu fiha ma nasha'u liman nuridu thumma ja'alna lahu jahannama yaslaha madhmuman madhura ومن أراد الآخرة وسعى لها سعيها وهو مؤمن فأولئك كان سعيه مشكورا كل من دعاء وهؤلاء من عطاء ربك وما كان عطاء رب وما كان عطاء ربك محظورا بارك الله لي ولكم في القرآن العظيم ونفعنا بما فيه من الآيات وذكر الحكيم وثبتنا على صراط المستقيم وقولوا قولي هذا واستغفر الله لي ولكم لجميع المسلمين فاستغفروه فإنه الغفور الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين وأفضل الصلاة وتم تسليم على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم أجمعين وشروا لا إله إلا الله وشروا أن محمد رسول الله ما بعد يا عباد الله إني مسيكم ونفسي إياها بتقوى الله إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى آل سيدنا إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى آل سيدنا إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد ورضي الله تعالى عن سادة الخلفاء الراشدين سيدنا أبي بكر السري وسيدنا عمر الخطاب سيدنا عمر بن عثمان بن عفان وسيدنا علي بن طالب وعلى جميع سادتنا الصحابة الكرام وأهل بيت رسول الله المطهرين من أجاس وعلينا معهم وفيهم برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم اغفر للمؤمنين والمؤمنات المسلمين والمسلمات الأحياء منهم والأموات يا أول الأولين يا آخر الآخرين يا ذي القوت المتين ويا راح المساكين ويا أرحم الراحمين أنجزنا رحمة من عندك نسعد بها في الدنيا والآخرة إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهاء عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعذكم لعلكم تذكرون أذكر الله العظيم يذكركم واشكروا هرنيم يزدكم ولذكر الله أكبر